Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thanks for downloading. All right, here is our Pac-12 South preview and our predictions for the Pac-12 Conference Champion and League Superlatives. So if you didn't catch our North predictions, uh, make sure you go back on your podcast feed and check it out. It was episode 55. And, yeah, thanks for downloading. And so with that, um, we now switch to the South. And for the first time in a long time, it is not Colorado um, at the bottom of the table in the South, but it's an, we have, in fact, the Arizona State Sun Devils. Um, Bluetooth um, is coming off a pretty disappointing season last year, um, and he also uh, lost his offensive coordinator who took the uh, head – a coaching position at Memphis, and so uh, they also lose Mike Bercovici, and so there's going to be you know a lot of questions going into this year. So, Josh, uh, what can they look forward to in Tempe? Uh, well, I guess what they can look forward to is Cameron Smith, who's back from injury and highly regarded recruit. Nikhil Harry gives this group a, uh, a hope of passing attack. Those are our wide receivers that I just listed. Now, the reason why I say hope is they have three quarterbacks right now with zero college passes among them. Uh, their leading returning passer from a year ago is their punter, who had a 27-yard pass. Um, and whoever gets the job gets to play behind a line that allowed 39 sacks a year ago. We've talked about their defensive scheme. They love to blitz. That leaves their secondary on an island. And it didn't go so hot last year. Uh, to try and shore things up, they brought in some JUCO players to try and bolster that back end. And we know that's always risky for pretty much every program other than Kansas State, which somehow has it down to a science. But I have a feeling a lot of that has to do with the Hall of Fame coach more than anything else. Um, and the schedule does them no favors. They have Texas Tech. Both L.A. schools are in their division. They have road trips to Oregon and Washington. Um, for this team to even sniff a bowl game, they need to be nearly flawless in the rest of their games. But let's be honest, with such a thin defense, a shaky offensive line, and a massive question mark at quarterback, there's no way to be flawless. So the odds of making a bowl game are incredibly long, in my opinion. Um, Arizona State and Cal, just based Cal more so because of their schedule, I think those are the two teams that have the longest odds to make a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – be honest, I think Arizona State might be worse off than Oregon State uh, this year. I mean, they got, you know, you look at both teams and, and you know, Oregon State, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it, it, and there's no way to know this for sure right now. There's no way to predict it. But, like, in my gut, I feel like Oregon State has more upside than Arizona State does right now. I think it, I think, I think Bluetooth is a, uh, I, I think he's he's going to be on the market here pretty soon, and you know I I, I don't want to give away a, a potential future pick here um, later on in the podcast, but I guess I will. But I mean, he's in trouble, you know. He has no answers at quarterback. Offensive line seems to be in disarray. Uh, your defense 
uh, it just schemes broken. Um, where you're, you know, you're constantly putting pressure on your back four to make plays, and and, and that's a tough thing to ask, especially if you if you blitz a lot, it's high risk, high reward. Okay, you may get you may get a few sacks, but you're also going to give up a lot of big plays because not every team's going to give up a sack every time you blitz. You know, uh, other people are allowed to scheme with you too as well. But um, if I had to pick a positive, um, they have cool uniforms. <laughs> um, they got a good, they they have have a great, great helmet design. They have a great, great helmet design. I, I think uh, there's a uh, blue and white version uh, that's similar. It's not, it's not all the way, but we, we do have the Trident at Lebanon as well. It's not the exact Trident, so we're not violating any, any copyright laws. But um, they have new offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsey. Um, and and the, the, only, the only potential positive with that coming in is that he's a guy that uh, needs to have good running backs. And I think with Demario Richard and Caleb Balich, I, I think you possibly have something. But, again, if you have so many questions on the offensive line, what good is it to have two great running backs if you can't use them and they can't find any running lanes? So um, if, they can, if they can get some semblance of a run game going, okay, maybe. But – it, it, it's going to be tough sledding for this group, and, and I think they're going to be introducing a new head coach in Tempe uh, yeah, I, next year. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I will say about their schedule, um, or about the team, I should say, you know, we uh, back in our, uh, you know, Pac-12 nicknames uh, bracket, they f- f- filled out uh, pretty high, ended up pretty high. They've got some strong nicknames in their non-conference schedule this year, too, playing the, <laughs> playing the Lumberjacks from Northern Arizona and the Roadrunners of UTSA. So, uh, but that's about all the good things I can say about the Sun Devils this year. So, And, and they're playing, and, and they have a chance to win the state championship because they played Northern Arizona too. So um, they have a chance at the state championship if they can run the table in their state. Yeah. I, I but I think uh, most of us doubt that will happen, but um, you know, it's next for number five in the South is the aforementioned Colorado Buffaloes. Um, Mike McIntyre uh, entering his fourth season at the helm of the once proud Buffalo program. Um, but uh, Josh, I think that you think that they're going to have a bit of an uptick this year. I do. I, I was really, really debating whether or not I wanted to pull the trigger and put them ahead of Utah earlier in the week. I did. I, I slid it down right at the last second when I was finalizing my notes, but um, there's a lot of upside of with this bus team to start with that defense Coached by Jim Levitt, the former South Florida coach. He's a defensive guru, and he is at it again. And I'm not just praising him because he's a former Hawkeye coach. Um, how's this? I love Jim Levitt. I, know. I love that guy. That guy's awesome. How's this for a stat? Colorado's defense last year allowed the fewest points for their program in nine years. Nine years. And that was his first season coaching that defense. That's an immediate turnaround. I love that. They have a ton of experience at safety, inside linebacker. That should help with their rush defense, defense, which was probably their biggest weakness defensively a year ago. I like that. Their quarterback is hopefully healthy. He's rehabbing a foot. But if Sefo Liafo is healthy, that could stabilize what was a very up-and-down offense from a year ago. I guess my biggest concerns is – this is the worst offensive line in the league still, and that's saying something, even with Arizona State's issues. And as much as I love McIntyre, 
I really haven't seen the pistol kind of work out for Colorado yet. So maybe it's just something with these Pac-12 defenses that's frustrating the system. But either way, the offense just hasn't shown me enough, and that's kind of why I brought them back down past Utah. But um, they, they open with the always difficult rivalry game against the Rams. Then they head to Ann Arbor in the non-conference. They travel to Oregon and the farm in difficult crossovers. They also travel to the Coliseum. But I really think that defense will allow them to hang tough with Oregon State, Arizona State, and Utah. All of those games are in Boulder. So if they can win those games, we know they'll beat FCS, Idaho State. That puts them in the vicinity of sniffing a bowl game. So a lot to like about this Buffs team. And we'll see if they can finally get over that hump. Either way, I think they will improve on their win-loss. That defense is obviously going to continue to improve. Yeah, I, I think this is a team that's getting better each year. Um, I still think they're a year away from, from really making some noise. Uh, if they keep this thing together and keep building that experience, then uh, if, they, if they can solidify their offense a little bit, they can compete. They can make it difficult on others, and and they may not win as many ball games, but I, I guarantee you they're uh, they're going to be in every ball game that they play, and they're going to be physically with that defense. They're going to be one of the more physically tough teams in this conference, and 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 every team that plays them is going to leave going, man, I'm glad we don't have to see them again. <laughs> um, and and that's going to be kind of what's their what their ticket is going forward. Now, if they can convert that into some wins, that'd be great. But their schedule doesn't do them any favors, I don't think. Uh, at least to, to to get over that hump this year. I think they compete. I think they show you that they they can be good and what potential they have. Um, they may not have all the answers. They may not have they may not have it in them to finish a lot of these ball games that they're going to compete in, but. Um, and when I say finish, I mean uh, I mean win them. But uh, you know, I think they go to a bowl. I think they I think they make a I think they make life very difficult on their opponents. But I think with with a lot of these games you mentioned, Josh, I just I, I'm just not I'm just not comfortable with that right now. And 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 with them, and they may they may prove me wrong. They may not. But they've got a lot of answers to to, to they got a lot of answers to find on offense. Uh, but defense is definitely going to be the calling card of this team. Jim Levitt's one of my favorite coaches. He may still be at South Florida had he not uh, had he not had a physical altercation with a with a player. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just it seems like we're talking a lot about Colorado, but when Coach mentioned that they were going to be in some battles, I double checked their season last year. They were really frisky for a one and eight conference team. They uh, had a touchdown loss to Arizona, a four point loss at UCLA a three-point loss to the men of Troy, and a six-point loss to Utah. So they were – it wasn't pretty record-wise, but they were pretty tough out for some good teams. Well, Josh, you know, you, yeah. mentioned, you, you mentioned those close games, and what phase is so important in close games, Josh? It's Special teams, maybe? Josh, how many kicks did the Colorado Buffaloes have blocked last year? I'm going to guess it was an insanely high amount and say they got – uh, in a 12-game season, I'm going to say they got six. That is exactly correct. Ooh. Six block kicks. They're going to have to address Peter. that. 
So they yeah. uh, they fired their uh, special teams coordinator, and obviously, so they are gonna. That's one of the things that they're gonna have to work on if they're gonna, you know, edge out in those uh, in those really close contests and put them over the hump. Um, moving right along, we had just over the border from Colorado to Utah. Uh, the Utah Utes had themselves. Uh, Quite, quite the season last year. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, uh, the longest tenured coach in the conference, uh, enters his 12th season, um, posting a 95 and 46 record in his first 11. Um, uh, like some other teams, they are hoping that the answer at quarterback is a JUCO or a transfer, I should say. Um, and that is Troy Williams. Um, so Josh, uh, what, you know, can, do you think the youth can get to the back to the heights that they had last year? I'm having a hard time seeing it. That doesn't mean it's going to be a bad season. Now you mentioned their quarterback situation. They also have their running back and their top three receivers from last year are all gone. That's a lot of turnover to experience. Um, But let's look at the people that are there. We mentioned a lot of rebuilding in the offense, but none of it is on the offensive line. This is the reason why you have to put the Utes ahead of Arizona State, and that's why I ultimately put them ahead of Colorado. And I think they can still be a factor in this loaded league, they're going to upset someone's season. And Kyle Whittingham, you mentioned him, he's the dean of coaches. Why is he so successful? He knows defense backwards and forwards. I would say Utah's program defensively, a reload instead of rebuild. So expect that D to be another solid one. They've got three winnable non-conference games and a crossover date with California. That means they should start at worst, four and one. If they pull the upset of USC in Salt Lake City, they can start out super hot at five and zero. Oh. Regardless of what that start is, and I guarantee you they're going to have a hot start. This club will easily make a bowl game. Like I said, an upset could shift the division races. I'm just not sure they can pack enough offensive punch to get to that title game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. Uh... Hey, you got me? Yeah, we got you, Coach. Sorry about that. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where you look at uh, what they have coming back on the defensive line. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the strength of this team. Uh, the, the reason I have them edging – I think they're going to have a decent season. The reason I have them edging Colorado is because they've been there before. And they know – I think they know what uh, what it takes to, to compete and win this conference or – at least what it takes to be in, in contention. So um, for that reason, that's, that's the edge that they have because they're well coached. Um, now, whether they can go out and do it, I don't know. Um, they have a lot of questions, and, and it's going to be interesting to see. I think they're going to be one of the more intriguing teams because, um, you know, they play so well, uh, and they seem to always come out of nowhere. So um, they just got to figure out when is it going to be when are they going to stop coming out of nowhere, and when are they going to start being there year in and year out? So they got to they got to solidify that and just try to figure out how they can uh, how they can manage. Call ended. Oh, I think we lost the coach there. Um, you have me. I can hear you. Oh, we got you, coach. Yeah, it just I was turning off my Bluetooth. I'm home. Oh, you uh, you've been hanging out with Todd Graham recently? Yeah, I have been. Right. I've been getting I've been getting Bluetooth lessons from Todd Graham. It's it's great. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to follow his his uh, his career plan. 
Well, hopefully like, you don't get fired this year because we think he's gonna. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just. I hope I don't either. But who knows? Anyway, it's a crazy world in coaching. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you know, any, anyhow, uh, you know, this Utah team has you know a lot of question marks for it, but they should be able to uh, you know keep. Uh, keep the ball running on offense, even though um, Devontae Booker uh, is now graduated. Joe Williams was really good towards the latter half of the year and should pick up right where he left off. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, Whittingham has shown that he has, he's just built a consistent winner there in Utah. And, you know, while he's not at the level of a Stanford, we should believe that, you know, year in and year out, they're going to field a very solid all around team, um, uh, in Salt Lake. So um, next, from Salt Lake City, we travel south to Tucson, Arizona, home of Rich Rod and the Arizona Wildcats. And uh, you know they've got you know they've got a lot of their key skill position guys back this year, including including quarterback Anu Solomon and running back Nick Wilson. Um, but no more Scooby Wright on defense, and so, Josh, you know, where do you want to start with this team? Well, I want to start, obviously, with a very, very sad story of their center, Zach Camilla, um, passed away in his sleep. He was expected to be the starter, and um, obviously the Wildcats will be playing with a heavy heart, and we've seen some teams kind of rally around that. It's it's, it's weird to say um, – what that'll affect Arizona, but, um, you know, Rich Rod's an experienced coach, so if anyone can, can get his kids to play through such a difficult situation, it, it would be him. Um, when you look at the actual players on the field, the X's and O's of things, um, Rodriguez has averaged 33.5 points per game every year. He's been out in the desert, so they were even better than that last year. So you would expect that offense to be good. You mentioned Solomon and Wilson. We know how talented they are. The big question is Solomon's had an injury-plagued career. If he can go through all 12, you've got to love Arizona's chances to, to maybe play score and help the two L.A. schools. Uh, on defense, um, you know, Rodriguez, he's never been like, you know, one of those coaches who never – cares about defense. He's tried to do it. And when their defense flatlined last year, he changed it up and brought in Marcel Yates from Boise State. So that's an interesting hire. Yates did some really good things up in Boise. And you mentioned it, Scooby Wright graduating. When he got hurt last year, he saw a completely different defense. I'm not sure if this defense can really play up to that standard without Wright for an entire season will be interesting. Schematically, Rodriguez loves a 4-2-5. Yates sometimes run a 3-4-4, so we're not sure what they have the personnel for. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but I'm going to say Arizona, to me, is the exact opposite of Utah. Their offense is going to get them to a bowl game, for sure. They're, they're a lock for a bowl. And that offense is good enough to spoil a true contender but whereas Utah, I didn't think, had the offense to make the title game, I don't think Arizona has the defense to make it to the title game. They do have a really nice um, crossover schedule with Oregon State and Washington State as their two road games. Those aren't the hardest ones in the world. Although what's interesting is they have to host Washington and Stanford. 
And when I was kind of looking at Arizona's season, the way that front got so pushed around, I'm almost wondering if taking on physical teams like Washington Stanford is worse than if they had gotten to play Oregon. I'm wondering if, if this club would have rather played a spread-it-out fast team than one of those plotting physical groups. It is. It's a lot worse, especially when you have defensive concerns. I mean, uh, a best way to combat – or the best way to attack a team that has defensive issues or defensive worries is to slug them in the mouth and, and to do it early and often. And, and that's how I think that, you know, Arizona, I, that's, that's their downfall. They, they've never had physical defenses. That's always been their issue. That's always been why they falter down the stretch is because they don't play good enough defense. And that's usually the difference. That's usually the difference maker. And that's why you see the same – Hand, small handful of teams compete every year, year in and year out. Um, now Washington's getting in the mix um, defensively, so they're going to jump in there and contend. But in a league where defenses are typically almost non-existent and spread offenses are the norm, if you have a good defense, that's an equalizer. And that's, that's a way of getting over that hump because everybody's the same offensively. Um, as far as what they do and how they do it, and, and uh, uh, except for Stanford, Stanford's the exception to the rule, which is, I think, why they win the conference every year. But um, if you have a good slugfest defense, then, you know, you can take advantage of that and really just use that to your advantage. So that's what Arizona's lacking. I think that's what's going to make them a non-contender. Yeah, you know, this is going to be uh, – it's definitely going to be a, a key season for Rich Rod's tenure in Tucson, I think. Um, you know, if, if they have another mediocre season, I can I could definitely see him being on the hot seat a little bit. But, um, I don't think Arizona – I don't think he's going to get fired, though. Yeah, I don't think Arizona has the football pedigree to put someone who routinely makes bowl games on hot seats. All right. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, uh, one place that is willing to put any, someone on a hot seat and has had someone on a hot seat for a lot recently is the USC Trojans. Um, they uh, hired their now former interim head coach to take over full time uh, after he brought the team back uh, after uh, the Sarks' uh, uh, quick dismissal for uh, drinking last, last fall. Um, but they have quite the schedule this fall, don't they, Josh? They really do. Um, I said in my notes, can they survive a schedule that opens with Alabama has September dates at Stanford and at Utah. Their November schedule is Oregon at Washington at UCLA, Notre Dame. So if they make it to the Pac-12 title game or live up to Trojan Nation and make it to the the tournament, they will have really earned it. So can they even be in that picture? And I, I think the answer is yes. Um, I don't like them as much as UCLA, but I, I really like what Clay Helton and T. Martin are doing. They're going back to basics with some power rushing. And really outside of Carson Palmer, there's a reason why USC quarterbacks have a disastrous pro career. And that's because USC's at their best when they keep it simple. They let their running backs find daylight and take advantage of either their power, like Lendo White did, or their speed, like Reggie Bush did. For their passing game, they have Juju Smith-Schuster. That should help the transition for a new starter. Obviously, Cody Kessler is gone. Um, and also defensively, the return of Clancy Pendergrass is 
This is a guy who used to be their defensive coordinator, went off at a NFL stint, and but he's back to pile up the defense. There's a lot of things to like about USC. There's just a couple more about UCLA. We'll talk about them in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, with this new staff and getting back down to basics, they can focus on one of the key elements, and that's just being physical. I think that um, I think the coaches are starting to kind of figure that out in this conference, and they're starting to become that way, and they're starting to build their teams so they can be more physical. Uh, and the teams that are building physical teams fast are the ones that typically um, have uh, fast rises, like UC, USC won't be down very long. Uh, Juju Smith is going to kind of lead that pack. But Max Brown is, you know, he's a solid quarterback. And, and, and I think they're going to go along the lines of, hey, don't screw this up. Just get us in some good situations and we'll, we'll, we'll be all right. Um, defensively, they return both their cornerbacks, Iman Marshall, Adoree Jackson. Um, and I, I think that's a very formidable pair at corner. And I think they can do some things there. So, um, they've got some talent. They've got some answers. They just gotta, you know, they just gotta go out there and do it. And I, and I think they can. I think they're just gonna get back down to basics and, and just kind of do what they do and, and and try to get back to you know punch you in the mouth football. And then I think that's what they need to do. Um, they they don't need to. They need to quit being cute. They need to quit trying to find you know all these spread options and just do what they do. Um, they return a lot of their offensive line starters. Um, it, this is good. This is the potential, um, and and the only the only reason I say potential is because of the coaches. Honestly, uh, Clay Helton, we we don't know what he's like as the full time guy because um, there's not a lot of pressure as an interim guy. Um, you know, if you if you get fired, then yeah, you're expected to get fired. So there's not a lot of pressure on an interim guy now. Now it's his now it's his show. So can can he do it? Yeah, you know, and I think that one of the strings, you know, you talked about them getting back to power football, and they've got a pair of tailbacks who will definitely be, uh, you know, up for the test there, Justin Davis and Ronald Jones. Uh, really nice one-two combo there um, running the ball. But let's go across town and uh, finish up with who we predict will be number one in the South, and that is uh, Jim Mora's UCLA Bruins. Um, it is year two of Chosen Rosen, and you know, uh, but this year he is without a uh, steady backfield mate, Paul Perkins. So, uh, Josh, uh, what do you foresee for the Bruins this fall? Well, Josh Rosen gets all the headlines, and deservedly so. This is the best quarterback situation in the South. Um, Washington State with Luke Falk, kind of 1A, 1B. You flip a coin, they're both fantastic quarterbacks. Um, so while he is the focal point, I was looking at some of the stuff UCLA was doing, and I actually see Jim Mora installing a very dangerous pro-style look with a tight end and a fullback to really help pound the ball. Perkins may be gone, but the Bruins are still going to be a really physical team, probably the most physical team in the division, and second most physical to Stanford. Um, on the other side of the ball, Tom Bradley, people in the Midwest know this guy. He coached so long at Penn State. This dude knows defense. He's a really top flight coordinator. He had the misfortune of being the interim coach when Joe Pa had to step down. I think that prevented him from getting a head coaching gig, to be quite honest. I think there's a little 
smoke with his name and people were were a little hesitant to, to hire him, but he is a defensive genius and at some point will probably get a head coaching job once the Penn State scandal is far enough behind. He's got a underrated defensive line that's anchored by Eddie Vanderdoes, and this is probably the best passing defense in the league with a very veteran and talented back line. Uh, I could throw a whole bunch of names out there for you. They got Jason or Jayon Brown, Kenny Young, on and on. Cameron Judge. I mean, like tons Julia of Julio Wadud. Exactly. I mean, so you notice why I skipped the most difficult name, but. Um, you well, know, I, thought you're, I think you're trying to skip Izako Savinia. <laughs> uh, I'll skip all the difficult names. You know how that's how I roll. But Scott Quessenberry on offense. Yeah, yeah but, they're going to win a Scrabble match. They're going to win the Scrabble championship. That's for damn sure. But um, the, the last thing to tie a bow on the Bruins for me personally is, like all favorites, they get some benefit from the way the schedule unfolds. They host. Their three toughest league games against Stanford, USC, and Utah. That means they avoid Washington and Oregon completely. So thanks to an easy schedule, if there's one quibble about this team is which wide receiver is going to step up for Rosen. Um, Not only is this a team that's a contender for the Pac-12, because of the ease of that schedule, they could honestly be a dark dark horse for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I think this division, um, and if Stanford doesn't represent the North, then the winner of the Battle of L.A. is going to be your Pac-12 champions. And whichever team that is, um, if it's USC and they win the conference, I think they go to the playoffs. Same with UCLA. If they win the conference, they go to the playoffs. Stanford may not – may not they may can win the conference, but they – but they may not go to the, the playoffs. I think if UCLA is going to win this conference, they're going to be a playoff team at the same time. I don't think there's going to be any any uh, any in between. So um, the only question mark I have for this group is the offensive line that's that's thin still. Um, but I think they have enough solid answers on defense to kind of help them. I mean, we went through all the names, so I don't need to go through and, and, and rehash the names. But um, I, I think they I think defense is going to carry them. Josh Rosen is going to have him have him going. I think Josh Rosen is a lot more comfortable in this system. I think he's a lot more comfortable with this team and playing in this conference and, and just really getting a lot of his lumps out last year as a freshman. So, um, and I, I think that it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great, great uh, season for the Bruins. Um, new coordinator Kennedy Palomalu is, uh, you know, again, you mentioned. Uh, they're going to smash mouth. That's, that's the way to go. That's going to be the difference maker in this conference. And I think that it's going to be an easy transition because I think that you can, you know, when you go more smash mouth, when you go more physical, you can simplify what you do and just play fast and physical. And, and that might even cause more damage than just trying to throw the ball around the yard. And I really prefer that type of system and throw enough to keep them honest, but uh, it's, it's, it's going to be great. So, so Jamabo, um, is going to be a name that could emerge a, a, as a difference maker in that offense. Um, they're going to have a lot of running backs coming through there, um, backing up Nate Starks. So um, you're going to have Nate Starks, Bulu, Ola Runfumi, and Soso Jamabo. 
Um, not only are they going to be great at Scrabble, but that, I think that's going to be a good. Uh, I think that's going to be a good one-two-three punch for the Bruins, and I think they have a lot of depth at that position. And if you have a lot of depth at that position in this offense, you're going to be good. And if you have a defense like theirs, you're going to be good. If you avoid Washington and Oregon, you're going to be good. So um, there might I, I totally agree with them getting over the hump and winning the uh, winning the uh, Pac-12 South. I think that it's going to be um, them winning the conference is going to be contingent on them playing Stanford because I'm not sure. Um, September 24th, we'll have a better idea of what they're what they're like against Stanford. But um, I really like this Bruin team. This is probably um, outside of Washington State for obvious reasons. This is my second favorite group in this conference. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, one one other quick name to keep an eye on this fall is true freshman Meek Juarez. He's going to step into the Miles Jack role on this defense. And oh yeah, if he plays from day one, uh, he is going to be a big, big name um, down the road for the Bruins. So, um, you know, uh, I, I'm in pretty much complete agreement with what you guys said uh, about the Bruins. This should be a, a special fall here in L.A. and I, you know, it, I, if, if Rosen can, you know, put him over the top, he's definitely someone who will be in Heisman contention. So, but you guys also men- mentioned Soso Jamabo. Uh, he is, uh, was Paul Perkins understudy last year, and he is ready to step into the spotlight and carry a big load. So, so do, you, do you think, do you think they can replace your brother? Uh, uh, you know, Paul's a great player, uh, out there, uh, for the Bruins, but I think that Jamabo is definitely up to, uh, up to the task. So Josh, why don't you, uh, now that we're done running through the conferences, why don't you just give us real quick, um, your rundown, uh, of who you have going, uh, actually, you know what, looking back at our spreadsheet, all three of us have the exact same order for the, uh, for everyone, so we don't really need to run run it back again because. Yeah, I, I guess I would just add. I've got Washington ahead of Oregon, but realistically, they can tie for second. Um, yeah. So I got Stanford edging UCLA, but to be honest, a lot of that has to do with Stanford. If they make it to the title game, they will have survived such a tough schedule that they will be the battle hardened team. Sometimes I like that. If UCLA gets anyone else from the north, I think they blow them out. So it's just kind of a little, little bit of a disadvantage for, for the way I handicap things to, to pick Stanford over UCLA. They're, flip a coin, they're both great. My offensive player of the year is also my Heisman pick, Christian McCaffrey. I list him at football player for Stanford. Uh, my defensive player of the year, this is a little, little bit of an off-the-beaten-path pick. But with Stanford having such an impressive season because people expect them to take a step back, I'm going back to the farm. I'm picking their safety, uh, Zach Hoffpower. This is an all-big Pac-12 honorable mention from a year ago. 44 tackles, 25 of them solo as a safety, but he's one hell of an athlete. He passed up baseball and a major league contract, like be you know drafted by a major league team to play in the minors, Pass that up to return for his senior year. You have to really like that. Um, my coach of the year is obviously David Shaw because, again, everyone expects Stanford to take a step back. My freshman of the year or rookie of the year, I should say, I got to go with Dakota Pro Cup. 
if Oregon contends, a lot of it's going to be on his shoulders. And my first fire is Todd Graham, a.k.a. the Bluetooth down there at Arizona State. But it wouldn't surprise me. I, I just feel like that Oregon marriage with Helfrich isn't as strong as people think it is. If Oregon falls apart and has like a 6-6 six and six or a 7-5 and five kind of clunker season, it wouldn't surprise me to see Nike money and that fan base that is so rabid really make a move. Coach, uh, who you got as your uh, as the as the champ of the conference? Well, um, right now, as I have it standing, um, because of uh, what I defaulted to when I picked my uh, Pac-12 North champion, um, I think I'm gonna default to that as well for for my Pac-12 champion. Um, I think uh, I agree with Josh on the fact that if UCLA gets anybody else, they blow them out. Uh, with the exception, well, I don't think they blow out Washington, but I do think they beat Washington. So um, it's, it's a razor's edge difference. Uh, I will say the Pac-12 North is going to be the, the most competitive division. I think, I think UCLA has a chance to run away with it, um, you know, I, and I think that that could possibly happen, um, especially if USC falters with their tough schedule. I don't think there's anybody in that division that can compete with UCLA this year. Um, but you look at your top four in the Pac-12 North, I mean, it's, it's a race. And, and I could very easily see Washington. As- All right. Um, and then I see you've got Christian McCaffrey as well as your Offensive Player of the Year. Um, and and uh, did, did you still have me? Yeah, we still got you there, Coach. Um, so, yeah, I like Stanford there. Uh, for Player of the Year, I think it's pretty obvious. Christian McCaffrey, he should have won the Heisman last year. I think he gets it this year. Um, defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm going to go with Dion Hollins from UCLA. I think he's going to have a huge year, um, at linebacker for the Bruins. I think he's going to make a lot of money this year. Um, and he could possibly be a first rounder going into the NFL, um, after he graduates, uh, rookie of the year. Um, I'm going to go with Meek Juarez. Uh, I'm going to stick with that UCLA defense. Um, that's going to, that's going to be what carries him to, uh, to the, to the Pac-12 title game and possibly a Pac-12 title, depending on who comes out of the North. So Meek Juarez is going to play a big part in that linebacking core uh, for the Bruins. He's, he's, a, uh, he's, a, he's a newcomer out of Torrance, California, uh, North High School. So uh, he comes in, he's going to contribute right away. Um, my runner-up for Rookie of the Year, who's going, to give him some, so, who's going to give him a battle, I think is Demetrius Robinson, because he's going to play such a big role in that Cal offense that I think he has no choice but to contribute because he's going to be the only only weapon. But I think Meek Juarez is going to end up getting it. Uh, coach of the year, I think, is going to be Jim Mora um, for what he does and the, the, the havoc he wreaks on the Pac-12 South. Um, I think David Shaw just um, – he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think that UCLA is going to have the biggest, biggest uptick this year because, you know, David Price gets it done every year. Um, so, uh, I like that. And, uh, I think the obvious pick is for first coach fired is going to be the Bluetooth. I, I think that he has, I think Gary Anderson, um, I think he's a year away from getting fired. Um, but I think, uh, I think the hottest seat is at Arizona state. And I think that's the only firing this year, unless, unless Arizona really falls off the map. If Arizona has like a two and 10 season, then Rich Rod, might be in trouble. Um, if Cal has an over conference season, Sonny Dykes might be in trouble. Um, I think Oregon's too talented. 
so I think they'll have a I think they'll have a decent season, um, and I think Helfrich will, will keep his job this year. So, um, a, a lot of question marks, especially in that big, especially in that Pac-12 North. So, um, it's going to be a fun conference to watch, especially the North Division. Definitely. Well, um, I am going to go against the current and pick UCLA to beat Stanford in the Pac-12 title game. Um, but I will definitely agree with you guys. Christian McCaffrey is the, the offensive player of the year, hands down. I don't even think it's that close. Uh, my defensive player of the year is going to be Buda Baker, the aforementioned safety from Washington, does a little bit of everything back there. Um, rookie of the year, um, I'm going to go with Uluwole Batiku, uh, defensive end at USC. Uh, there's definitely snaps to be had there. Um, but also, like Coach said, Miguarez is someone who is, has as good a shot as any to get that honor. Um, Coach of the Year, Jim Moore Jr., they're going to win the South, win the conference, and he's going to take home uh, the honor of Coach of the Year. And I'm in agreement, Bluetooth is the first and for, is the first firing, but not the only one. So um, with that, uh, that will wrap up our Pac-12 uh, season preview for 2016. So any final words? Um, yes, I'm, I'm wondering if uh... – Washington is going to have the best kicker in the game because he's going to be well rested. Uh, that senior is named Cameron Van Winkle. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Um, um, I just want to poach a comment Coach made, which is UCLA is the best team to make the tournament because I think if Stanford, Washington, Oregon, whoever comes out, maybe Washington State gets hot. Whoever wins the Pac-12 North is going to have so many losses that it's it's really the Pac-12's best hope for a playoff team is the Bruins. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for us today. So on behalf of the coach in Nashville, Tennessee, and the blogger Josh Cook in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor in Los Angeles saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. You know Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.